Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? Saturday night's all right for fighting, baby. <sighs> Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Same to you. And uh, welcome to episode number 45. Uh, 45 weeks we have sat here and we've reflected on all-time highs and confusion and cryptocurrency. And we might as well be... At square one. Okay. There's a new oh. variant. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I'm preparing yeah. for lockdown. I mean, last time the new variant came up, I embarrassed myself and said it was not a concern. <laughs> so I, I'd like to not do that again. Okay. I'll uh, I'll be the one that says it's nothing to worry about. How Thank about you. that? Because you, you, you and Goldman Sachs. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> oh, brother. Well, it's nice to see you. What did you, you went to, to Amy's mother's house for Thanksgiving? I did. Yes, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, my daughter ran rampant, um, was the star of the show and train wrecked and had to take a nap at five o'clock and we took our ride on home. Perfect. Perfect. We, uh, we had the gang, my, uh, brother and his family, sister, her family, uh, all my girls, my son-in-law, Wow. Good friend, uh, Barbara. You know, Thanksgiving's a, a big holiday for us. You know, we really uh, we really worked that one pretty hard. Um, I was reminiscing with my brother-in-law. We were at uh, my son-in-law's uh, parents last night. They've got a place up the road from us. And he's got this whole bar thing kitted out, which is just, it's just awesome. Like, mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going to have to I should have taken some pictures, although we had to check our cameras at the door. <laughs> Kidding. Um, but I was reminiscing uh, with my brother-in-law how, uh, you know, on the Gimbel's ride, there's the typical Saturday-Sunday ride. And if there's a holiday, oh, there's a Gimbel's ride on the holiday. And on Thanksgiving, best. there's a Gimbel's ride on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, a Gimbel's ride on Friday. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, Sunday, so you'd have four in a row, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I remember several years ago, there was a mutual friend of ours on the Gimbel's ride. And uh, we were chatting going up Route 120, and he had some contusions on his face. And I said, uh, what happened? And he said, ah, it was Thanksgiving, and we got into a little fight at my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> what are you fucking kidding me? And he looked, me. he looked at me, he's like, it's, it happens every year. <laughs> so I was saying to my brother-in-law, I mean, I don't know what kind of world I live in, but it seemed a little, seemed a little odd. And then later in the evening, as we all had a little bit more to drink, he came back and said, you know, I actually see that happen. <laughs> right. Uh, but he found so me much, on gimbals too. So, you, know. <laughs> you know, that was one of the greatest moments, greatest moments of my life. Uh, but uh, so we got a lot to talk about. Don't we? Do you have a in a shortened wanna... week at that? You know, we crammed uh, a lot of excitement. There was a month's worth of news arc, as far as I'm concerned, okay. between Monday and I don't know. Let's call it Wednesday afternoon. We'll close the markets down, and then I don't know Thursday yep. night, nine p.m. But let you walk me through your week, please. That's going to require me to remember. <laughs> Okay, let me go back. Let me go back like six, eight weeks when I was chirping about oil going to a hundred dollars a barrel, right. or, or better yet, let's go back to the beginning 
when I had my barrel of crude that yeah. I bought for for 42 gallons, yeah, for nothing, for free. For nothing, for free yeah. that I had to right. store because they yeah. were giving it away. Yeah. All right. So back so all right, so fast forward to Monday where we're going to tap into the strategic petroleum reserve or or some call it the strategic petroleum reserve but um <sighs> yeah uh that's that that ain't gonna really help you know but because uh, let me ask you this mars how many days worth is three. that it's how like many, three days yeah. how many barrels of oil does this united states consume a day i don't i don't i'm sorry i don't have that number in front of me could could you take? T- how about you stall and take six <laughs> seconds to Google it? <laughs> okay, so so this is actually on my yellow pad. Uh, the first thing I have relates to the second thing. The second thing is Jennifer Granholm, mm-hmm. the uh, Secretary of Energy. Mm-hmm. She was asked how much crude oil does the U.S use a day and she replied I'm afraid I don't have that number in front of me now I know if I use the word I want to use when I walk out of here at some point Cheryl's going to hear about it and I'll never hear the end of it but but everyone you that- stupid baba 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 ba how can you not know right so I googled this woman once again from sources believed to be reliable but cannot be guaranteed. Jennifer Granholm, politician, lawyer, educator, author, and political commentator. Nowhere does it say (laughs) energy expert. I mean, for all I know, she she doesn't even pump her own gasoline. So uh, we're in a period now where we are hiring people based on their race, uh, sexual orientation, gender. I think race you know, and gender first. Okay. Race and gender. So let me just try and avoid stepping on my dick and saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. just say we're not picking the most talented person, I think. Fair. And the reason I say that is if, if, and I've got two pretty good examples. One, both, both of them are re- relatively direct because I know I pull a lot of stuff out of my ass, but so several years ago, when I was still fancying myself a, um, a denizen of the oil industry, um, I went to a Goldman Sachs energy conference, and I saw a woman there. Her name was Kimberly Dang, and I believe she had a Texas accent, and this woman was fucking ripping shark. Sharp, wow. sharp. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. With and, the Texas accent, which makes it even better. And so I uh, always remember that. So I looked it up, and she's been with Kinder Morgan since 2001. So do the math, 2021 lost 2000. So she's been at Kinder Morgan for 20 years. And as a retired executive, one of the things I always look for when I was hiring somebody was, have they been at a place for a long time? Usually a good sign. Okay. So you got a woman been in the energy markets for 20 years, seen bull markets and bear markets. Now, I'm not saying they were supposed to pick her, but, you know. Yes, they were. Well, you know, how about the, I'm going to see if I can play this clip. You know, uh, there was a question asked of 
the oil. Uh, uh, yeah, the energy secretary. Energy yeah, secretary. yeah, yeah. And and the madam um, secretary. Yeah, let me see if I can find this thing because it's just it's just spectacular. Um, oh well, well, I'll I'll preface it when you pull it up. Let me know because I'll preface it with when Tom Keen from Bloomberg asked her three weeks ago about the price of gas. It might not, it might've even been longer ago. Yeah. It was three weeks ago. Okay. Right. Bloomberg radio, 1130 AM, which I listen to in New York city. And I, and I trust a fair amount of our audience does too. Mm-hmm. All right. 730 to work. I'm driving to train. I'm driving to work. Tom Keen asks her, what's what, what are you going to do about the price of gas? All right. And she laughed at him, scoffed at him yeah. as if it was like, like, like he was making a joke and he sat there with a straight face. I already posted it on our website. So the Did listeners you? can go, okay. yeah, yeah. Go right to our website or right to our Twitter and you can watch the clip. And he said with a straight face, like, what's the Biden's administration? You know, what's the, po- you know, what's your, you as the energy secretary, what is your price? What is What's your plan? What's your plan? What's your policy towards rising gas prices? And she laughed at him. You know, I'm 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 really irritated because I I can't find it. I posted it. I posted. I already posted them. But she she guffaws. Yes, (laughs) chortled. She chortled. Okay, (laughs) we're really working on the vocabulary. Scoffed. I mean, like scoffed is an understatement. Okay. Well, but yeah, it was so dismissive and so rude. Like, oh, the the thought that you would ask me this question. Okay, another, so like, uh, I was just going to say another example of this ineptitude. Uh, so there is a woman that I have met a few times. Uh, her name is Michelle Flournoy, and I met her as she was the chairman of the Center for New American Security which is a bipartisan group dealing with the security of the United States. And I believe she, in the Obama administration, was the highest ranking woman at the Pentagon. Okay. So it was likely she was going to be tipped to be the Secretary of Defense. Perfect. Once again, I met this woman... Uh, yep. multiple times more than you know, not unlike the Kimberly Dang thing, which mm-hmm, was just mm-hmm. one appearance. But I'm telling you, I, I've had a half dozen one-on-one or, you know, small group meetings with her. This woman has got to figure it out. Yeah. And She's on a Condoleezza Rice level. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. hundred yeah, percent. Okay. Cause that's and, how, that's your golden standard, right? That's the, the high yeah. bar for you. Cause that's who, you know, as yeah. far as, People oh, yeah. that you have met, you know, when you I say you've so. met yeah, her, yeah. I, I, st- I, that's my gold standard, yeah. you know, whatever, she, Mark, she, she? And okay. uh, so Michelle Flournoy, same sort of thing. And now the president picked an army general who was, who was black. Now I have no idea his qualifications. I'm even willing to go and say he's the most talented person. The problem is my understanding is that it's typical to have a secretary of defense who's a civilian. Correct. Now, why yep. is that? I mean, I mean, that's not for me really to say. But if you're going to pick a woman because you want to pick a woman, either pick a woman with energy experience, okay, or put a woman in a job where 
you know, she embarrassed herself. You know, the energy woman. The, the oh, energy, yeah. oh yeah. So we oh. anyway, we gotta we gotta move on because we'd uh, we'd be here we'd be here pounding this thing all night. Uh, do you wanna talk about Friday sell off or is that too painful to bring up? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, man. It wasn't uh... Didn't bother you? No. <laughs> Don't buy shitty stocks, you idiots. <laughs> it's a, yeah, all right. You know, I'm okay. Sick, you know, okay. Okay. Am I, I sent you the list. I mean, okay. So the sell off 2%, 2%. So scroll back, zoom out on your screen and you're still up what? 35% for the year. So the, you know, the, yeah. the black Friday bloodbath. Are we at a 2% check down, please? Yeah. All right. So like, uh, uh apes like me oh buy the dip what dip okay so you knocked 900 points off the dow jones oh okay fine but more 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 importantly the s&p what okay you took what a couple points off of it you're gonna wake me up after thanksgiving dinner because the the futures went down a little bit yeah a little bit like this is not what we've been waiting for is it morris Uh, you know i i think that the market has on traditional metrics looks expensive and you had news of this variant thing and i think that was the excuse the market needed to retrace a bit is it the change in the cycle and you know, i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, attempt to predict that i know for for my own purposes i've just sort of uh reached you know what what uh I'm at 11 in terms of the frustration. So, you know, I'm, I mean, I still have some minor exposure to the metals because the options are decaying, but I'm giving myself a pass on this stuff between now and the end of the year mm-hmm. and uh, come in January with sort of a fresh start and a fresh attitude because, you know, uh, when you, they say, when you find yourself digging a hole, stop digging. Uh, I just, I'm out of sync with what's going on right now, and uh, so I'll just wait till I uh, get a better sense of what's going on. But I I do see some textbook things, which I think are worth pointing out. So we talked about uh, you and I offline, kind of went through the Kathy Wood thing, where you looked at all of her positions, and the 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 bulk of them are down fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty percent from the high. She's down for the year, but I suspect over like four or five years, four hundred eighty-five percent has been been very been been very big. Um, and so, you know, if, if you were in from day one, it's fantastic. If you got in January of two thousand and twenty, you know, it's not so it's not so good. What I see, and this could definitely fall under the notion of you know just being a hater that uh, Zervos would call me. But, you know, you see things. First of all, she's in the press way too much. Yep. Giving she's been quiet lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny how that works, isn't it? Oh, no, no, no. She's got a new fund on steroids. Well, yeah. So Let's they, get to, keep going. <laughs> well, that I, I didn't read the story. I didn't drill down the story, but apparently they want to start a new fund that has, I don't know that it's leverage, but a higher, a higher beta. Um, you know, uh, I just, there's this, one of these movies, I think it's, it's maybe hunt for red October or something like that, 
with Denzel Washington. Is that? Oh yeah, Sean like, Connery. Dang he's talking to one of the guys. He's like, "Mind your fucking panel." Mm-hmm. I mean, I look, <laughs> love me or hate me, I've done this a long time, and uh, the notion of like taking the time out of my day to talk to the press. Like, Could you imagine? Well, no, I I, I can't. And yeah. so, like, she went out of your way to, to not do that. Well, that was sort of a firm policy that they really didn't want us talking to the press. And can you, you talk know, about that? Like to the like to what level? Like, let me ask. No, you a question. It, it was everyone it was, could see what you were doing. Is everything was everything as transparent then as it is now? And when I say transparent, where I I mean like. If I dig deep enough, I can see what people are doing. And there's, you know, there's such a wealth of like, you know, that you can look up endless charts on the internet and there's so many. Okay. So, so, so we traded unregistered, unregulated, excuse me, unregulated securities. Treasury securities are unregulated securities. So we did not have the public reporting requirements. And so, no, people couldn't look up and see what my positions were. I think depending. So I, I think you could go in and if you had a company like PIMCO, Pacific mm-hmm. Investment, I think you could see their positions in futures contracts. I think uh, for some reason I want to say that but that's true, but I'm not exactly sure. But in terms of uh, keeping a low profile, not talking to the press, but just even in the marketplace, we went to great lengths to prevent people from knowing what we were doing. Uh, I think even mentioned last week, we would have, you know, code names for trades and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, columns of uh, spreadsheets would have code on them. So when people would dig them out at the end of the night after we went home to figure out what we were doing, um, they, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, so just the notion of her putting out her positions every day or what their changes are. I mean, it's like, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. I mean, that's kind of the new thing, but uh, it's just too much time talking in the press. Um, the way, you know, I love Tesla. I love Tesla. I love Tesla. She sells it, buys Zillow, sells Zillow. Back. I mean, and, and there's this disconnect about, you know, we we look at our investments in a five or ten year time horizon. I think that's one of her mantras. Is that does that ring true to you? Yeah, that oh, makes okay. sense. Yeah. Okay. You know, I don't care what your investment horizon is. It doesn't match up with your investment vehicle. Meaning you've got this publicly traded fund. People are getting in and out of that all day long. If you buy something for 10 years and day three, the thing goes down 30%, guys are going to be punching it out. So back when we would meet with the uh, fund of fund guys, when I was with uh, uh, the 515 hedge fund before mm-hmm. I retired, we'd meet, uh, like I said, with the fund of fund people. And the in, in Leslie's uh interview, he talked about how if anyone ever asked you what your edge is, it's just a stupid question, you know, that kind of thing. The dumb question for me was like, what keeps you up at night? And I'm thinking, well, maybe something could happen to my kids or my wife. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, if you think I'm, 
up at night worrying about your fucking money, <laughs> you got the wrong guy. <laughs> but my answer, which nobody liked, was the thing that concerns me is that I have a mismatch be- between my duration of my trades and my redemption period. Wow. So just to explain what I mean by that, when you give money to a hedge fund, they take it on certain terms. And depending, you have a right to ask for your money back and they put constraints on that. Uh, There's these things called side pockets where they'll put illiquid investments in. Um, They only allow you to, these are examples, not everyone's Mm -hmm. the same, but they only allow you to withdraw 20% a quarter or, you know, X amount every six months, or you got to give me your notice, whatever, because um, they don't want to have a bad month and have everyone running for the exits, right? Mm-hmm. So my concern was we would structure a trade and the bulk of our trades uh, would be centered around uh, cycles of, let's say, between one and a half and three months, maybe three to six months, but definitely you know, more than a week or two. And I was concerned we might get some sort of mismatch between where we were in the cycle of a trade and then our, our investors, right? Because if investors want the money back, you know, we're not sitting there with 90% in cash. You know, we probably have 15 or 20% in cash or something right. like that. You can't so, tell Liam you got to wait six months. It, it, you know, you can if that was what he signed up for, Right. So that was always the thing that, you know, quote, kept me awake. Uh, But um, I I think this is an example that, you know, this woman probably can see into the future and figure out great things. But, you know, I've beat everybody senseless with this notion that it's like, you know, it's not about being right. It's about, you know, making yielding money. and profit-making money. Making do you want to be right or do you want to make money? Yeah. So this website thing, you know, so you've done the Twitter and Instagram. Love it. And you're killing it. I'm hobbling along with the website, although it's yielded a couple of pretty good things. Um, one is somebody uh, uh, asked me a question, and it came along with a, a great deal of flattery. So I will answer that question. Um, it's uh, it's like advice for like the new generation fixed income trader, right? And so uh, I guess without droning on and on about it, I think thing I always felt was most important when we would have a trade on would be uh, the trade would have a catalyst to make it work. So for instance, some people will look at two securities and say, well, this one's a little cheap to that one. I'm going to buy this one. I'm going to sell that one. And hopefully over time, everyone else will figure it out and it'll bring it back in line and I'll make my money and go away. Sounds so easy. It does. Uh, But those types of trades, they can work. They can not work. They they can sit there. They can go way against you. They, you can. Make, there's a lot of different outcomes, but it's a much more random event than if you put a trade on 
that is based on perhaps an auction cycle um, or in my case, what we tried to do is time things around futures deliveries because that forces everybody to come together and have a, a, the right price put on things. And so yeah. you get a, you get a clearing price, right? Um, so that I to love me this be, stuff. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be good at this. I just, I just know those like talking about you. I've heard you talk about like the three days out, five days out, yeah, oh, a week yeah. out, and it's coming. Like, and now here's the delivery date. And go so, ahead. So I had a, I had a rule of thumb. Like futures contracts, um, operate pretty much in fixed income. They operate in uh, ninety day cycles, and um, although a future may be out there for three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, it's really that last 90 days in these things where the where the rubber meets the road. And so uh, I would kind of say for the first 45 days of the 90-day cycle, they can do to me whatever they want. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> but the last 45 days, now you know, the the tables are turned and yeah. it, the countdown begins. The clock's ticking. And so that's my point to like the fixed income trader out there. It's like, if you're going to think the yield curve is going to steepen, so let's say our pal Kevin Muir thinks the curve's going to steepen. So he'll buy twos, sell tens, he'll buy fives, he'll sell tens, he'll buy tens, he'll sell twenties, some iteration of that, right? Okay. Now, if I were to break that trade down, I would look at a few things. And I, I want to try and keep it simple. I mean, none of it's that complicated. But the first thing I would look at, away from what I thought the twos, tens was going to do, is how does that trade carry? Meaning when you buy the two-year and you sell the 10-year, you have to borrow the money to pay for the two-year. And you have to go and borrow the 10-year to cover your short. Okay. Those have calculations. And then when you net that, the trade will either pay you to hold it or you will pay to hold it. And if you put the trade on and they're paying you, it's like pretty good because you're sitting there waiting and, you know, the, the clock is working in your favor. I don't like having the clock work against me. That's always something that, that bugs me. Um, so that would be the first thing in a Kevin Muir twos, tens curve trade that I would look at. The next thing would be sort of the cycle of auctions and how people perceive the flow of funds. So if they're going to be reducing the supply of 10-year, 20-year, 30-year, uh, to me, that's going to be a little bit tougher than if they're increasing those things. Well, one of the favorite things I've heard over the years was there was a uh, football coach named Vince Lombardi, mm -hmm. Green Bay Packers. This was before football players were criminals this, and this thugs. Is soccer, soccer, like American football. Oh, okay. Thank you. And he had a kind of a TV show you know, like teaching kids football. And so he had a thing with like 11 O's and 11 X's. And he said, okay, you're on the offense. You're the X's. The O's are the defense. And he drew a line down the middle. Of course, 11's an odd number, right? 
So on the left side of that line, there would be five O's, and on the right side, there would be six O's. And he would say, okay, run to the left side because there's five guys here. Why run where there's six? Run where there's five, right? I can well, hear him saying it too. <laughs> so, I mean, is it genius? Uh, yeah, it's genius. Yeah. It's genius. And that's kind of like the way this treasury stuff works. It, it's a very, very efficient market. If you pick up the nickels and the dimes along the way, you really increase this risk or the the probability of, of success. So, you know, once again, I wouldn't put on a twos tens trade unless I had a real strong feeling mm-hmm. uh, that the curve was going to work for fundamental reasons. But then I would analyze it based on what has to happen to make the trade work and and, and what are the, the pros and cons. So. How could you answer all those questions on Monday? How Could you get a strong feeling of what's going to happen in the treasury market or what the curve is going to do or what the Fed is going to do, if they're going to taper faster? Like, How could you go down there on Monday morning and have a stone-cold consensus opinion (laughs) it's 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 very hard i you know you know i think uh you know soros uh, george soros said he was blessed with a bad memory meaning he would seen things in the past and had forgotten them for me you know i I, let's say the two-year note right now yields 50 basis points for a number. I didn't I didn't look, but maybe it's a little bit lower now. There's a big rally. Um, uh, so back in the day when the Fed was tightening, now that they're reducing QE, you can debate whether they're tightening or not. But you could have the you could have the two-year note 150, 200 basis points over the funds rate. Meaning if the funds rate was one, the two, you know, it could be three. We're clearly not in that environment. But at this point, I don't know how much of a cushion you're supposed to get to own the front end as a speculation. If you own it as an investment like like I do, you know, I bought stuff at 25 basis points and at 40 and at 50. And the stuff that I bought at 25 is at a big loss. But Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to mature. That's 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 deal. But if I was running at fifty to one leverage, you know, that's kind of a different question, right? And and I think that's the question you're asking me, and I I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't I don't know what uh, I don't know what they do about that. But going back to the the Kathy Wood thing, this notion of constantly being on the tape, talking about positions, then adding new funds, adding new funds, adding new funds. Now we want to take a fund that's volatile and make it more volatile. You know, people can do that on their own. It's called margin. Um, so anyway, that's that's my two cents on the thing. Um, some like boots on the ground thing. My, my son-in-law and daughter went out to look for a new car today. Okay. Scottsdale, Arizona, it's like car city. Uh, just the, yeah, football fields. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like North Jersey. Yeah, right. yeah, got it. So basically, they went to six dealerships 
Okay. If I remember what they said, they didn't even have a car to test drive. Come on. If you want a Mercedes, I mean, what she went to. Be- I was going to say she went to Bentley, Rolls Royce, no, Maserati. No, 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 no. These are good kids. <laughs> These are good kids. No, they went to public school. These kids. They went to BMW, Mercedes, Range Rover, yeah. Audi, uh, BMW. Yeah, BMW. Sure. Yeah, and okay, sold out. There were a couple of instances. There was one car that Mercedes wagon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know which the the one the in front G500, of my kids. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay, one hundred and seventy five grand. Take it tomorrow. No, the sticker was one hundred and eighty grand. <laughs> the sti- close. Listen, no, no. This is why you're not close. The guy said. You see the sticker, add 100 to it. I believe it. Okay. And you know how I know that's right? Because a friend of mine six months ago bought a used one and paid 200 grand for a used fucking car. I used Mercedes. Yep. A G-Wagon? I was telling my son-in-law, it's like, I don't understand. So uh, I was driving. We were down in Tucson to do a, a, a... camp up Mount Lemon and, and, and my buddy drove his G-Wagon and we're coming back. So he's staying in Kirlin Plaza and uh, he was going to be over in the neighborhood the next day. So I said, look, you just drop me off at my house. You drive the car back to your place. I'll pick up the car tomorrow. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not happy about driving this thing in the first place, right? Because he, you know, he's, he's, particular about his cars. Oh, I know. And, and you know, I, not that, that's just not, my, it's just not my thing. Right. right? You're going to put a dent in the fender. There's I, a good it's, chance it's you like, could dent the fender. It's like, I'm afraid I'm going to wet myself out of anxiety. And admit that you, admit that you, when I came to your house and I saw your Porsche for the first time, yeah. I took a long look at it and then I looked at the wheels. Oh no. And yeah. you had curbed the, the, the rims. The Porsche had like, I don't know, a hundred miles and MB had scuffed like the wheel, like parallel parking it down on Greenwich Ave. We, we, we came in last night, okay, and I think it was Maddie was in the car with me, mm-hmm. and she gets out, and she starts looking at the wheel. She's like, "Dad, there's something wrong with the wheels." I'm like, "Don't start." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. Don't fucking, don't fucking start. I, I mean, I can't. I can't. Uh, uh, anyway, so, so now I'm, I understand your un, your your sense of un, discomfort driving Mike's yeah, two hundred thousand yeah. quarter of a million dollar quarter of a million dollar Benz wagon. And, and, and by the way, I mean you you know when I say this, this is going to be true. It's not the money. Like if I trashed the thing and had to write a check, it'd be like fine, fine. It would break my heart telling them. Yep. <laughs> it's oh, like, not only that, you'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> you know, yeah, but then the I, bumper, the look on Mike's face, it's the whole thing. So out here, I'm still getting accustomed to driving out here. And um first of all, like I grew up in the Midwest. There's like I-57, where you're you were driving 90 miles an hour, and when you got off the exit, it was this huge loop. Huge clover yeah. leaf kind of thing, jug, right? A jug like, handle. Yeah. So I'm bought Cheryl and I, I get my first bonus. What do I do? Living in Manhattan, I buy a Corvette, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
You want to talk about the textbook knucklehead? You got him, right? So I don't know why, but we drove up to a friend's house in Fairfield, Connecticut, right? Driving the car. And I'm driving the Corvette. And I get off the highway on the Merritt. And I'm used to these long, lumbering, you know, um, exits. Yeah. And I get off the Merritt, and they're basically 90-degree turns. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't blow yeah. through the thing on that. Zero um, to 60, 90 degree turn, and you're oh in someone's God. backyard yeah. with and, a willow tree in the front window. And I don't know. And at this point, not really being a bike rider, I had no sense of understanding about how if you brake, you go straight, <laughs> right? Remember that lesson? Oh, yeah. But anyway, I, I digress. So I'm, I'm out here, and the roads here have, maybe I'm imagining this, but they have a very different camber than the highways uh, back east. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you'll be driving and you'll kind of, like, be zoning out a little oh, bit. Yeah. And you realize the road is subtly changing, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and so you just can't, like, point it and go. So the other thing is they have typically to get onto the highway, there's two lanes to make a left turn to go under the underpass. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's confusing as shit to me. <laughs> Right, so I'm driving got one down at Steamboat. There's one at Steamboat. You haven't mastered that. <laughs> That's like one of the beauties of like New York driving. I'm going to line up in the right lane and well, I'm going to cut the fucking guy off as soon as the light turns green. And now they're going to give me a lane to do it. Well, that's it. That's what messed me up. I'm used to using it as is like a trick play. <laughs> you know, like the Statue of Liberty play. Anyway, so I'm getting on. I'm merging on the highway. And I'm driving Mike's car, and I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm not real good at, like, if I'm changing lanes, I'm not a big turn signal guy. I, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I know. You're from Chicago, so, and you yeah, spent the last I, 35 years in New York. Yeah, Go on. Right. So, uh, so anyway, these lane-changing assist things, if you don't put the turn signal on, and it thinks you're crossing oh, the border. Yes. It, it freaks Rattles out. Rattles right? the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. So I'm driving this German car, and I start to merge to the left without the turn signal. And I feel something jerk the wheel out of my hand. I thought there was a German submarine commander yes. at the other end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I about pulled over and called Mike. Let go. <laughs> Dude, the rumble, like uh, the wheel rumbles and, and like a siren went off and it put oh, you back it's, in it's your terrifying. lane. It's terrifying. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, terrifying. Yeah. These cars make so much noise now. Imagine yeah. that. That's the Mercedes. All right. That's the top shelf Mercedes. But Tesla has got you convinced that you could just sit back. Okay. And let the wheel take over. Imagine that. I didn't mention it last week, but I had it on my notes. Did you see Consumer Reports? Tesla was 26th out of 27. Oh, CNET. First consumer satisfaction. Oh, CNET dragged them this week for the first time. CNET is, uh, I mean, like tech wizards if you're into computers and technology. But yeah. their car review absolutely dragged them. And they were like, they shouldn't put this thing yeah, on the road. That's you know? not great. That's no, not it's not great. great. But at this point, uh, right. the price of cars ain't going anything but up. Because like. Yeah, go ahead. No, but uh, you brought up Tesla, like, and I wanted, to, and you were talking about, um, you know, option dates expiring. You know, can you talk about the the Tesla options that are getting traded in the market? Did you see that statistic that we talked about earlier this week, where 
the amount of options traded on Tesla is bigger than the rest of the whole entire market combined or whatever. Is that right? I, I, I do yeah. know I do know generally speaking that the amount of options being traded by everyone but retail investors and speci- specifically are uh, biblical. And to me, you know, I, I try and point this out. So if if a clown goes into a bodega and buys a lottery ticket, it doesn't affect the numbers that are going to get pulled. He might affect the payout because if he gets wins and someone else wins, is instead of him not buying one, you know, the payout's half, right? But when people go in and buy the options, the seller of the option typically is a market maker who now goes and adjusts his position. So this overwhelming amount of option trading, I do believe is creating some havoc in the marketplace. And so you saw these huge chunks of Tesla options or calls specifically being bought. And people think that is, you know, pushing the price higher. Uh, Now he's in selling and that provides some supply to the market and the prices come down a bit. But I mean, I, right now, I, as I said earlier, I, I'm just sort of sitting, standing aside, waiting to see what happens. I would say to you, I believe Monday is going to be Monday, Tuesday coming up. These are big days. Uh, see what the market, see what the market's made of. You know, the Bitcoin has gone from 68,000 to 53,000. Yeah, because I bought it. Did you? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Ed said point. I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> I listen, you know, you've always, you've admitted, you've publicly admitted that when smart people, you looked at gold and when you saw the smart people doing yeah. it, that yeah. played a role in your decision. It did, but the smart people didn't sell. It's, it's neither here nor there. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to use the part of the, the facts that I want yeah. to apply okay. to my show. Of course. Right. But no, I trust Ed. I'll be, I'll be frank. When Ed said, you grumpy old men aren't going to make it, like Bitcoin is here to stay, Yeah. that was the nail in the coffin for okay. me. Okay. Okay. I'm just All being right. honest. No, that's um, fine. It, so it, I've it, sat here and bad-mouthed it and bashed it. And I mean, like when I say I bought it, I didn't put another million dollars on it. But yeah. like, you know, I, okay. I really I okay. bought that and the ETH because, like, look, I'm not buying real estate in the metaverse. Okay? okay, that's one end of the spectrum. All right, buying Bitcoin might be the other end of the spectrum. Right. Hey. Is that fair? Look, I, I'm just trying to justify this to you. Um, I can see you sitting there judging me. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not. I, I I'm completely agnostic on the thing. I, that's not true. Yeah. I'm okay. it. I <laughs> I, look, look I, I have. I, I look. I thought about it. I blamed Ed. Ed's my patsy. Ed said, but you know, Ed said you you got you grumps are not going to make it. And I had to. I, I if, really if, thought if Ed told you to jump off a bridge, would you I'm jump going. off a bridge? <laughs> yes. There's certain things. Look, you know. Um, yeah, and I just like I said to myself, "What am I doing?" And another thing, you know, somebody said, "Do you want to be right, or do you want to make money?" And that, I said, that, "Look, I've that, been sitting here for forty go. weeks trying to be right, and I haven't done it yet." So uh, you had brought up the notion of maybe having another contest. Mm-hmm. Do you want to discuss that? Um, I'm dying because okay. I have nothing else to do tonight and or tomorrow. Okay, you ready? Oh, I've been frustrated. Yeah, please. Okay, okay now. Um, I was tempted to give you a, 
a hint about the topic, but I didn't do that because I I, I want everyone to have a, a fair shot at this. Okay. So the last question, I did a what do they have in common, right? And that was pretty interesting, I thought. Generated a lot of comments. Are you familiar with uh, this old computer program called Lotus One Two Three? I've heard it. Okay. Yes. So just so we're on the same page, my understanding is Lotus One Two Three was a precursor to what people use now, which is called Excel. Uh, it's Lotus, Lotus One Two Three is not Excel, yeah. but they're both spreadsheet programs. Okay. For one, inside baseball with old chestnut hat, tell me, what does Lotus 123 have in common with long-term capital management? Lotus 123 and long-term capital. Yeah. It's got to be like some, one of their MIT model nerds came up with it. Um, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to figure it out. So I, I thought Liars. it was, I thought it was challenging, but. Uh, Did I just ruin it? No. Okay, good. No, no. Long-term capital. I mean, like I, I've read, you know, nobody's read uh, more sleepless Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights about that. <laughs> I just sent you a screenshot the other day about um, who, what's the mortgage-backed security guy? Lou, uh, Lou Ranieri? Lou Ranieri, yeah. Let me ask you something, Morris. Was that good or bad? Was Lou's, was Lou's work good or bad? Coming up with that. Oh, it was and- terrific. You mean the whole mortgage back industry? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I think that was. He's not a bad, he's not the bad guy? Not the bad guy. I don't Okay, I don't interesting, think so. interesting. No, I, I think that, uh. The mortgage security market provided financing for people to buy homes more easily and more affordably. The fact that it got bastardized, there's a lot of blame to go around, but not not Lou Ranieri. No, I, I think. Okay. I mean, he was a character, or is a character. I, I don't. I think he's still alive, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I think that uh, there are other products, you know, the, the constant proportion debt obligation thing that we talk about from time to time. That's a bad product. The people put that product together should have known that that's a bad deal. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, we mentioned earlier about some of the good stuff that's coming from the, the website. I think last week I talked about how I saw this video on fractals. Remember that? comment anyway some explain to you yeah exactly yeah amongst other things uh, um, somebody recommended a book and it's called the misbehavior of markets written by benoit mandelbrot and now i usually don't recommend books until i finish them and i'm only on page 164 of this oh. book out of 270 pages uh and the last 10 haven't been great, but the first 150 pages, when we get off tonight, 
you go to Amazon and Liam and you buy this thing because I believe, I mean, there's not a mathematical equation to be found in there. And I think that he does an amazing job of bringing forward so much of the things we talk about here in terms of like, in fact, there's a chart of flipping coins in this book that's up on our website. So I, I think I would be delighted if you would get that. For our audience, for our audience that doesn't know, Morris is a one chapter, two <laughs> at most, okay? And then it's either in the garbage or he's giving it to me. Uh, but if he's made yeah. it past two, let alone 150 into it and talking yeah. about it on the show, you yeah. just go buy it now. This this is going to go up on our required reading list. Really? Is um, that good? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, I know we have a, uh, uh, I keep wanting to talk about this. And I, when I look and we only have a few minutes left, Go I'm going to try and be quick about this. So on the website, a number of days ago, I posted a Bloomberg chart and I think it was of the S and P index. And I think it was a 20 year chart and there's the chart of the prices. And then there was a yellow line or there's a yellow line which represents, I think, the 200-week moving average. And so you can see that the S&P goes above the average, below the average, above, touches it, touches it, goes below it. And then right now we are extraordinarily above the 200-week moving average. Now, I've never been a stock guy but I started doing more research into this stuff after I stopped working. And then uh, oldest daughter was working with me. So we started playing around with some of these things. And it appears as if you focus on this 200-week moving average is a place that the market eventually gets to at some point mm-hmm. and generally provides a very good place to own the market. So um, once again, the the typical comment, I'm really bad at math, um, but the concepts sometimes jump out at me. And I believe, like I think you, Liam, believe, is if you hold these things for long periods of time, they're they're going to grow. You're going to get compound growth. And so consequently, you would expect if you were to have a graph and just draw a line, if over 20 years you had a 9% compounded rate of return, it would be a straight line just going from the bottom left to the upper right. And it does sort of do that. But you have wild gyrations above and below that over time. And so what I've been looking for is getting some sort of retracement to this 200-week moving average. And when I talk to my buddies, they all tell me, well, you know, over time, the market just has to go sideways and the, the average will go up, which is which is true. Average is not that tough a mathematical concept. But markets rarely go sideways for long periods of time. They may end up back where they started, but Generally, they move around. So uh, that's 
when I put that chart up a few weeks ago, I wanted to to bring this up as something that I'm looking at. Um, to take it a step further, which, by the way, I won't be able to do it justice, but if you look at a random process, and that's why I have up the chart of flipping coins. Random process means it's just something that the outcome is random. In Wall Street, they call it a random walk, which refers to like if you had a drunk guy start taking steps, which direction and that sort of thing. Anyway, um, when you look at the coin flip charts, you'll see that some large number of flips, whether it's 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, you've gone away a great deal from the average. It's not anywhere close to 50-50, right? You're you're way more heads than tails or way more tails than heads. Okay. So there's this thing, and and this goes off into the ether, but there's this mathematical process called the central limit theorem. And it's a way of looking at distributions. And you can take that central limit theorem and you can have a sense how far you think you can move away from the 50-50. Once again, nothing's 100% guaranteed, but you start increasing your chances of being right. So what I'm hoping to do, and I think this has been done in the literature, is find a way to determine how far the stock market can get away from this 200 moving day average before you know it needs to start mean reverting and uh now we're getting pretty far into the ether but uh um, that's something i've been trying to think about and why when i get this book about the uh, uh financial turbulence uh, by Mandelbrot. Um, I, I'm hoping there's something in there that's going to point me in the right direction. So, hopefully, I didn't put you to sleep with that. No, 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 no. Um, you want to put a number on it? A number on? You got a target? You got a target that you're a 200 day moving average um, that you could put as a. Uh... Like as a buy point or something yeah, like that? I, yeah. I, I mean, it's pretty far from here. I mean, I. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, it's like if the SP is 4,500, you're looking in, in the mid threes, right? I, I mean, yeah. look, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, there's a lot of ways today's price can get to the 200-day moving average, right? Or yeah. the other way around, the 200-day moving average could could come up to meet where we're at. I don't know. But uh, if, you, if you break it up into sectors, you know, whether you go back and look from 1920 to 1925 or 1947 to 1952 or 1940 to 1990, you, I, for most times I have done this, you, you navigate around that 200-day moving average, which, yeah. you know, I mean, it's duh. That's why it's the moving average, right? And yeah, it doesn't so lie, you know? When I look at the, when I look at the, the chart and you see how it, how uh, far we've deviated, it it gives me yet another reason to be willing to sit on my hands. 
What are you going to do on Monday? What do you expect? You think it's way up or way down? I think Monday, Tuesday, big days. I think I think they really test the 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 tenacity of the of the by the dip and yeah, um, you know, yeah. It's it's you're going into a funny time of year because I think they'll tell you that seasonally December is very strong. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of tax trading. You know, people want to recognize gains because the rate will be higher next year. People want to recognize losses because they want to offset their gains. Thank you. Um, I I don't know. I'm like like Warren Christopher. I urge caution. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, anyway. 45 weeks, we are still urging caution. (laughs) We are oh, consistent. Oh my God, <laughs> if we yeah. are, if we are one thing, we are consistent. <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know if I get this right, but but a dear friend of ours is a recovering alcoholic, and she's been in, she's been mm-hmm. sober for like sixteen years, the kind mm-hmm. of thing. And she was talking to her mother, who was going through some hard times, and the daughter's like, uh, "Well, you should come to some of these AA meetings. They're very uplifting." And and the mother's something like, "Well, you know what? Yeah, you know." What a pain. And and the daughter's like, don't worry, they'll give you a refund on all the misery you missed. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bunch. <laughs> I got banned on my religious jokes this week. So. Well, you, all right, buddy. <laughs> I guess we should probably, probably call it there, huh? Unless you want to talk about the medals. <laughs> I, I told, you I'm, gave up. I gave up. <laughs> I, uncle. <All> right. <laughs> uncle. We'll, we'll have a new position for you next week, folks. All right, what's the question? Inside baseball cast at Gmail or IBWOC.com for your yeah. trivia question. Well, they can't. They can't. Lotus one, two, three. I guess, I guess you could answer. Long-term. You could answer the trivia question on. Okay. No, 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 no. That's not true because then somebody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Email me the answers. We've had a very. We, we, let's not mess with the system. Yeah. Okay. If you have if you have gag comments, like I know there's some people itching <laughs> to post. <laughs> yes. Feel free. <laughs> Unleash Feel free. on long term capital. Here's your opportunity to, to nail long term to the wall <laughs> on, on the website, which is what I've been waiting for for 40 weeks. Okay. All right, my brother. Happy Thanksgiving, bro. Be Thank well. you. Cheers. Bye now.